Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning. As Nancy said, I'm Reverend Catherine Bone, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some things that you probably know, but I hope I'll present them in a different way, and maybe you'll remember them and get some ahas from this information today, and I promise you'll have fun. So sit back and relax. So there's a state trooper that was sitting by the side of the road, and he was waiting to catch speeders. And along comes this car chugging along really, really slowly. And he thinks to himself, that car is just as dangerous as someone going over the speed limit. I'm going to stop them. So he turns his lights on and he pulls the car over. And inside the car are five older ladies. And they look white as ghosts and their eyes are wide and they look scared to death. And the officer says to the driver, ma'am, do you know why I pulled you over? And she says, oh, no, officer, absolutely not. I know I wasn't speeding. I was going exactly 22 miles an hour. And he tries not to laugh and says, ma'am, the speed limit isn't 22 miles an hour. That's the route number. (laughs) He says, I'm not going to give you a ticket this time, but please, the speed limit is 55. Please go 55 or less. And he says, but before I let you go, is everything okay? Is everyone in the car all right? And she says, Oh, they'll be just fine. About a mile back, we pulled off State Route 149. (laughs) So I'm going to talk today about unlimited potential. I'm going to talk about limits and the limits that, that are good sometimes, like speed limits, right? And the limits that we place on ourselves that might not be so good for us becoming who and all that we came here to be. And I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the spiritual tools, which I know that you all have in your toolbox already, that can help us to do what we came here to do and give what we came here to give and be all that we can to tap into that unlimited potential. There was once an old bull who was confined to a very old pen. And the pen, the fence around the pen was old and falling apart. And the bull every day looked on the other side of the fence and wished that he could get out and play in the green grass and lay and sleep underneath the tree and get some shade. But alas, he knew his life was confined to that pen. Because when he had been a small calf, he tried to push through the pen. But at that time, he was small and the pen the fence was brand new, so it was very strong. And so he learned that he couldn't push through it. Never again did that bull test his strength against the fence. And as he grew bigger and bigger, and the fence started to fall apart, the bull could have easily knocked it down. But he never did, because of the limited belief that he kept and believed to be true from way back when he was a small calf. We know the same thing about elephants too, don't we? Elephants, when they're babies, have a rope or a chain tied to their leg and then tied to a post. And they try and try to get away and they can't because they're still small. And the post is buried down deep into the ground. But as the elephants grow and become stronger and stronger, they could easily pull that post out. But just like the bull, they accept that truth that they're confined and never again in their life do they try to break free. So my question to you is, what are the limitations that you put around your life? 
What are your fences? And do you ever push against them? Or do you just accept that that's the truth for you? So that's what we're going to talk about today. When I was very small, my father made us learn a poem. And I made my daughter learn this poem. And I'm going to share it with you. And it's called Thinking. And it's by Walter Wintel. If you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win, but you think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out of the world we find that success begins with this fellow's will. It's all in your state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. If you've got to think high to rise, you've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. For life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man. But sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. I love that poem because it reminds us to pay attention to what we're thinking about, to pay attention to the self-talk and the things we tell ourselves about ourselves, the truths that we accept that may not be true at all. So my question to you is, what do you tell yourself? Do you pay attention to your self-talk? Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, and also about 25 years ago she wrote that, and about about a year or so ago, wrote a new book called It's Never Too Late to Start Again. And she's essentially rewritten The Artist's Way, and she's kept a lot of the spiritual practices from that original book. And one of them is about writing morning pages. And what she says is, when you first get up in the morning, get your tea or coffee or whatever it is that you have to do to settle yourself into your day, and then sit down and write three pages right from the stream of consciousness. Just write all the things that are running through your mind all the things that you're thinking. Don't edit it, don't judge it, just write. And she says to write three pages because by the time you're on the third page, you start realizing how much negative stuff is running through your mind. You really start paying attention. You know, the Buddhists say that the definition of consciousness is to pay attention to what we're paying attention to. And that's what this spiritual journey is about, isn't it? It's about paying attention. Paying attention to the things we tell ourselves and the thoughts that we think. And when we're paying attention and when we notice those thoughts, we can test the fence. And we can break free from those limited thoughts, that limited thinking. We can take the lens of limitation off and become a possibilitarian. Do you know that there was a man who was sitting on a, on a train and he looked across the train and he saw Pablo Picasso. And he said, oh my gosh, the master himself is on this train. I can't let him go without sitting next to him. So he sits down next to Pablo Picasso and he says, Mr. Picasso, you are a magnificent artist. Your work is incredible. But I have to ask you, why don't you paint the world as it really is? Why do you paint a different view of reality? And Picasso thinks for a few minutes and he says, well, can I ask you what your world looks like? And the man sits and he says, well, and then he pulls out his wallet and he opens his wallet and he takes out a picture. And he says, this is what reality looks like. This is my wife. 
And Picasso looks at it and says, well, yes, we have very different perceptions of reality. Your wife, she's very small and very flat. (laughs) So what lens do you use to look at the world? And are you willing to look outside of those lenses? Are you willing to take them off and be a possibilitarian? In Discover a Richer Life, the founder of religious science, Ernest Holmes, said life is not just something to be endured. It's to be lived in joy and in fullness without limit. So, who's this guy? And what is it he said? I heard someone say it. To infinity and beyond. A great example to us of thinking about what life can be without those walls, without the fences, without the boundaries. Do you want to hear something funny about this guy and that movie? When it first came out, there was a lot of buzz. No pun intended. No, yes, it was. It was intended. A lot of buzz at MIT because there was a doctoral student who decided to write his thesis on that idea to infinity and beyond. Could there actually be anything beyond infinity? Now, I really found this quite silly because we know that there's nothing beyond infinity, but it's a way to test our thinking because when we think of infinity, we still think all of this and we don't think and more, right? So believe it or not, this doctoral student spent the whole semester studying this idea to infinity and beyond, he actually had a symposium and invited professors and academics from all over the country to come to MIP to discuss this idea. And at the end, what they determined was that all of this meant was all of this and heaven too. George Bernard Shaw was once asked, if you could be anyone from history, who would you like to be? And he answered, I would choose to be the man that George Bernard Shaw could have been, but never was. Pretty profound, huh? See, the true measure of success is the ratio between what we might have become and what we actually do become. And the difference is the limitations that we place on ourselves. The difference is the fence that we build around our lives from our beliefs and our thinking that we never test. Because life is really about the journey. It's not about the destination. Being religious scientists doesn't mean that everything's always gonna be perfect or seem that way, right? We're still gonna have things that come up to deal with. But what it means is that we're paying attention and we can notice when our thinking is limited and we can change the way we're thinking about an experience and thereby have a different experience, right? Um, Ernest Holmes was influenced by a lot of people. He's called the great synthesizer because he takes in from, he took information from many philosophers all over the, from all over history, all through history, and he put it together in this philosophy that we know as the science of mind. And he was influenced by Ralph Waldo Emerson, a transcendentalist who said all history unfolds from a single shared consciousness. And this is one of the basic premises of our teaching, that there's one mind and everything comes from that one mind. In his essay, History, he talked about an acorn and how within that acorn, there's the potential for a thousand forests. 
think about that. In that acorn is the beginning, provided it's given what it needs, to become an oak tree, right? And that oak tree will produce 100, 1,000, 10,000 more acorns. And each of those acorns have the potential to produce 1,000, 100,000 more acorns. So it's not just a thousand forests that that, that's in, the, in that little acorn, the potential for a thousand forests. It's a potential for infinite forests. The same is true about us. That potential for infinite good and infinite transformation exists within every one of us. But before we can realize it, we have to know that it's there. We have to recognize it's there. And that acorn needs uh, sun, and soil and water to reach its potential, right? Just as we need to reach our potential, we need to be nourished and nurtured. And how do we do that? We do that with spiritual practice, right? By connecting to our source. That acorn seems so tiny, but it has within it the power of infinite potential. It can take that an idea, we can take an idea and go to infinity and beyond if it's nurtured. Just like that acorn can produce an infinite number of forests. This idea creates a foundation and a framework for our lives. Another person who influenced Ernest Holmes was Thomas Troward. And he talked about a spiritual prototype. He talked about taking an idea and seeing what you want, to, you want to become, what you want the end result to be, the outcome, and feeling what it feels like. Because our feelings are like a magnet, and they draw it to us. Stephen Covey said, start with the end in mind. It's the same idea. But Troward says, feel it. Don't just see the end, feel the end. Feel what it looks like and see what it looks like and feel what it feels like to have that experience that you want to have in your life. And once we change ourselves, we can change our community. We can change the world. Because that power is not limited to right where we are. We know that whatever happens in one point in consciousness happens everywhere. So as we change and transform, the world changes and transforms. So I want to tell you a story about a, th a third grade teacher who walked into her classroom on the first day of school. And one of the little girls came in and she had a knit cap on her head. And she had spent the summer having chemotherapy. So she had lost all of her hair. And when she took her cap off, all the children in the class made fun of her, and they teased her, and they were not very nice. We all know how third grade kids can be, right? And the teacher was very upset by this and didn't really know what to do. She wanted to teach them kindness. She wanted to teach them to be loving and supportive, and she knew that that girl was hurting. So that night, before she went to bed, she prayed that she would be given an idea and know what to do that would lead her class and transform that experience that that little girl had had. When she showed up that day in her classroom, she herself wore a knit cap. And she stood in front of the class and said, you know, we're all here together for the rest of the year. And let's try to be kind and loving and accepting of each other. And then she took off the cap and she had shaved her head. And everyone was silent. The next day, 
a couple of kids came to school with their heads shaved. And that night, all the parents were on the phone talking to each other. And the next day, more kids came with their heads shaved. And by the end of the week, the whole class showed up with their heads shaved. Because that teacher was open to infinite potential, to a new idea, and allowed it to move through her, transformation and change happened. See, she looked for, she had a framework and she opened herself up to look for something that didn't already exist and spirit brought it to her. So when the world is spiraling all around us and things seem to be out of our control, what we know to do is to get quiet and to go within and listen. And the answer will always, always be there. And when we act from that place of knowing once we've got the answer, the whole world changes. So I want to tell you about my daughter. She's 26 years old, and she was raised in this philosophy. And she's a sixth grade teacher at a Title I school in Tucson, Arizona. And if you don't know what a Title I school is, it's a school in a, in a rundown, underserved neighborhood. Most of the kids are the kids who get free breakfast and free lunch, and, and, um, and it's a challenge. A lot of immigrants, it's a challenge to teach in that kind of a school. She has one little boy who's from Ghana. And she was very disturbed by this young boy because he never answered any questions in class. He never participated. He never turned his homework in. He never would look anyone in the eye. He never played with the other kids. He was a loner. And he slumped over and he just seemed very sad. And the teachers all talked about him and what could they do to bring him out of his shell. And they knew that he was smart because when they spoke to him one-on-one, -on -one, even though he didn't look at them, he had the right answers, but he never contributed. And they decided that he probably had been abused and that they really needed to find some way to support him. So my daughter went into the office and she created a button and it was called and an award and it was called the Infinite Potential Award and she put a picture of this guy on the, on the button. And she told the other teachers that she was doing this and she asked them to support her. And so that next morning at school, she read them the poem that I shared with you. And she presented this little boy with the Infinite Potential Award as a button. And he wore it proudly all day and every other teacher made a big deal out of it. And within a couple days, he turned in homework and he was starting to stand a little taller. He was starting to look at people. And by the end of the week, he was playing on the playground with the other kids. Because we're willing to listen and allow spirit to move through us, the world can change. In the book, uh, The Art of Possibility, Ben and Rosamund Zander talk about giving every student in every school across the United States an A on the first day of school. If they start out with an A, and all they do is show up and do what's right in front of them, which they say to make easy, the, the students will all have A's. And so they did this test at a classroom to try that. And this class performed better than any other class in the city. So they teach this idea to teachers during summer conferences to always start with an A. And I said Stephen Covey talks about starting with the end in mind and what it feels like to accomplish that. So can you start any task Anything that you'd like to accomplish 
with the end in mind and feel what it feels like to have that. Use that teaching, that spiritual prototype, that tool that we have to bring it to you like a magnet by feeling what it feels like to accomplish that. We know that in Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon says, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. We talked about uh, Emerson. We talked about Troward. We've talked about um, Napoleon Hill. Jesus, in Mark 9.23, was standing in front of a father who said, Jesus, can you cure my son of these demons? They've taken over his life. Can you free him of them? And Jesus said, if you believe. All things are possible for one who believes. Even the ancient Greek philosophers talked about this idea. Plato said, the truth of us, like numbers, is infinite. This is from 500 BC. Uh, um, Aristotle said that when the conditions were right, there is never a limit to what we can accomplish. So those conditions, the sun, the soil, the water, if you will, that's us nurturing ourselves. That's the spiritual tools and the spiritual practice that we lean into when we forget or when we recognize that we're looking through a lens of limitation. We often say that new thought is ancient wisdom, and it is. So I'm gonna wrap up by telling you a story that one of my teachers told me. And to do it justice, I'm gonna tell it to you in the first person. So I was sitting in my living room, surrounded by all my stuff. All the books, all the pictures, all the clothes, all the stuff I've accumulated in my life. And I was looking around at all of it, wondering how could my life have gotten to be like this? with all this stuff that really doesn't mean anything. And as I was sitting there, I noticed in the distance there was a light. And the light started getting closer to me. And as it came closer, it took the form of an older woman. And she said to me, I'm the guide to the building of your mind. Would you like a tour? And I said, the building of my mind? Okay, I guess. And she said, so you, you're on the first floor. Would you like to see the second floor? I said, wait a minute, there's a second floor? She says, there is, and there's an elevator over here. I said, there's no elevator here. Oh yes, there's an elevator. Would you like to go up to the second floor? And I said, sure, why not? Thinking there's no elevator, but we walked over to the wall and there was an elevator. And it opened and she said, this is an elevator. They call it a lift. It's gonna move you to the next level. Shall we go? So we got into the elevator, and we went up to the second floor, and the doors opened, and the second floor was a warehouse of all of the ideas I had ever had in my life. The doll that I wanted, that you pulled the string and she talked, Chatty Kathy, that was there as an idea. The choices I had to ponder and think about when I chose what college to go to, they were there. The thoughts that I had had about getting married and having a family, they were there. The ideas I had about the house I wanted to live in, 
They were there on the second floor. And the boat that I want to have when I retire, it's there. All the ideas I've ever had in my life where it's here on the warehouse on the second floor. I said, this is pretty cool, but I don't quite get the connection. And she said, this is a storehouse of all the ideas you've ever had. All you need to do is come to the second floor and focus on one of those ideas and it will show up on the first floor. And I said, wait a minute. You mean if I come up here and I think about what I want, I can have it? She said, absolutely, that's how it works. I said, wow, this is amazing. This is going to change my life. And she said, now would you like to see the third floor? Wait a minute, you mean there's a third floor? I didn't even know there was a second floor. She says, there's a third floor, shall we go? So we get onto the elevator and she says, remember, this is a lift. It's going to move you up to a new place. So the doors to the third floor open and it's completely empty. And I said to her, wait a minute, there's nothing here. And she said, oh, everything is here. Everything exists here. All of those thoughts that you have yet to think. All of the things that are available to you are here right now. This is the floor of infinite potential. She says, there's one thing that's very important that you need to know. Look up. As I looked up, I realized there was no ceiling. And she said to me, there's no ceiling here because inspiration and wisdom comes from something greater than you are. So when you come to the third floor, move into that place of connection and listen. And you'll receive that inspiration. You'll be able to tap into that wisdom. You'll know what it is that you're here to do, what it is you're here to give. And as soon as you have that idea, it will show up on the second floor. And then if you focus on the idea, it'll become form on the first floor. I was amazed. I said, you mean I can control exactly how my life is? She said, absolutely. She said, I'm going to have to go now. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't understand this. I didn't even know there was a second and third floor. How can this be all these years I've been living on the first floor? And she said, I can't help it if the real estate agent didn't tell you that this was here. But now that you know, you can certainly use it. And she, she said, I, thought you would have, I would have thought you would have seen it from the street. And I said, wait a minute, seen it from the street? And she said, that's a story for another time. And she started to disappear. And I said, don't go, don't go. Tell me, what floor should I live on? And she said, live on all three. And so it is. So let's pray. Let's come together in that place of consciousness, in that third floor, recognizing that all good is sourced from the divine, that God is good and good is God, and sitting in our heart space, being open at the top, feeling that flow of spirit, knowing that it's everywhere in everything. As Ernest Holmes says, there is no spot where God is not. So just breathing into that and knowing that as spirit flows through each one of us, the world is transformed.
by recognizing that that infinite power and potential lives in each one of us. Change happens, and each one knows what it is they are here to do and to give and to be. I know for each one here that they live on all three floors, inviting and welcoming that inspiration, that divine creativity, that wisdom from spirit. Allowing those ideas to germinate and nurturing them through spiritual practice and then seeing them show up in our lives in form. Because I know that this is how the law works. It works every time, all the time. And so with a heart filled with gratitude for this teaching, appreciation for this community of like-minded people spread across the world who support each of us in knowing the truth about ourselves and our lives, I am so grateful. And so with that gratitude, I know there's nothing else I need do. I simply let go and I let God be God and do its thing as I release my word into that fertile soil of the law. And I allow those yeses to show up for myself and for everyone here. And so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.